Upgrade is one of those movies that makes you realize that perhaps Kyle Reese from Terminator 1 was right. And that is the machines are coming and uh, they're going to kill you. So you probably should join the resistance. Boy, this movie was a pleasant surprise. Um, I really enjoyed Upgrade. I just finished watching it a couple of minutes ago, and I have to say that I'm very impressed with it. Uh, this was uh, recommended to me by listener Brian Campbell, uh, who said, oh, you should check this out. So I did, and, you know, when I watched the trailer last time on the program, when you guys listened to the last episode, which was, what, Red Sparrow? <clears throat> I can't even remember anymore. No, First Reformed. So last time we did First Reformed and we watched the trailer for this one and I thought, man, it looks like it could be kind of funny. But here's what I will say about the tone of Upgrade. The tone of Upgrade is heavy at times, uh, very serious. There are funny moments as a result of Stem sort of being his buddy, but it is a intense and serious film with a wicked ending. Now, you know, when I covered First Reform last night, I started to think about more of the format that I'm doing here, talking about these movies and stuff. But I uh, I, I think I'm going to start covering these and not spoiling the endings. Um, at least if I think the ending matters. And I do think the ending mattered in First Reformed. I think it mattered in Red Sparrow. And I think it matters in this one too. So I'm not going to spoil the ending of this movie, Upgrade. But I will, there will be spoilers as we're listening to it. And the other thing I'm going to, I'm probably going to be spending a lot more time on this podcast doing as the format starts to, I guess, intuitively take hold, right? Because this is largely a experimental project. And that's this. I probably won't spend a ton of time on plot. I'm really going to just be bulleting out some of the ideas of the movie, some of the, some of the thought-provoking bullets that I jot down about the movies that I cover on this particular show. Um, I will spend a little bit of time on plot just so you have a frame of reference, but the show is really designed to be able to listen to it without even actually seeing the movie. And like I said, we're only doing surface level stuff here. A couple of bullet points, 30 minutes, and we're done. Um, we have the Science Fiction Film Podcast and a bunch of other podcasts from LSG Media where we do much deeper dives into these movies. But this is this is something that I think the more I do it, the more I talk to you guys, the more I realize that it's really going to be about jotting down the bullets of some of the more finer points, the more thought-provoking topics of these movies. Because, hey, real quick, there's some fucking awesome movies out there that we should be watching and talking about that we don't always get to on the science fiction film podcast. So this is perfect, perfect for that. And man, what a gem upgrade is. First of all, the movie is fantastic. I highly recommend it. I'm going to say that right out of the gate. And much like the trailer showed you, its basic premise is a man named Gray, uh, Gray Trace and Asha Trace. Asha, Asha Trace. Gray and Asha, young couple. Um, he's kind of an old-fashioned man in this changing cyberpunk Neil Stevenson kind of world. By the way, some similar themes in Ready Player One in this movie. Technology and all that jazz. But Gray and Asha are a nice young couple, pretty young couple. And uh, she works for this big big company, uh, Soldier Limbs and 
things of this nature. Technology. She embraces technology. Their house is very technologically driven with touch screens and a computer that talks to you and blah, blah, blah. He's a guy who works on old muscle cars and sells them to rich guys, apparently. That's one of the things he does. She's clearly the breadwinner of the family. So it's a bit of a gender role reversal, traditional role reversal here. He's still sort of the manly works with his hands guys. She just brings home the money kind of stuff. That's the impression you get from the movie. She's much more cutting edge. And one of the themes of the movie is, is this, this idea of some things machines can't do. People do some things better than machines do. And I like to work with my hands. And she says, want to print a pizza Uh, kind of referencing this idea of three-dimensional printers coming. And he's like, why don't we make a pizza? So we see this as kind of what is the central theme of this movie. And it's that right there. This idea that we are in a changing world. Some people embrace that change and other people don't. You could say he's very anachronistic, right? And she's much more modern. And uh, I like this, you know, I like, I like the setup here. Again, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's just executed so well, this this particular film. It's it's only in the 90-some-odd major minute, minute range, excuse me. It's only in the 90-something uh, minute range, which I love. Uh, the, the more I watch movies, the more I have to cover on the podcast, guys. I'm telling you, the more I like to not have long-ass movies. Let's just get to the point, bang, boom, done, and move on with our lives. We don't be, I don't want to be watching two hour and 40 minute movies anymore. It's just like, come on. I can watch two movies in that time. So I want to commend it first on its runtime. But this whole setup, the aesthetic of the movie, movie is fantastic. I didn't know what going into it. I didn't know what kind of budget it had. I didn't know if it was going to be cheesy. It's not cheesy at all. There's a couple of moments where the dialogue is a little cute, but the, the guy who plays Gray Trace, his name is Logan Marshall Green. He's fucking great. I think he does a good job in this movie and uh, all of the performances are fine. But back to the basic setup, the plot is they get attacked. She gets killed. That's a spoiler. Obviously I'm not going to spoil the end of the movie, but I said there will be spoilers. His, his beautiful young and hip wife gets killed. Uh, He gets paralyzed and he is visited by this eccentric man who runs this big company happens to be the same man that he fixed up this trans am with, uh, Trans Am for in the beginning of the movie, and he inserts this thing called STEM into his spine. And what STEM does is it takes the signals from his brain and then transmits them to his body since his central nervous system has been irrevocably damaged and he ends up a quadriplegic after they are attacked by some thugs after they get into a car accident. So it's a pretty shitty night. It's a pretty shitty night for the young Trace family. Um, they, they hop in a car They're going somewhere. I don't even remember where they're going. Maybe they're on their way home from dropping off the car to this guy. The car flips over after failing to respond to commands. And, uh, you know, he is, he's, after the accident, these thugs descend upon them. So it's probably the worst thing that could happen. Armed and professional looking thugs descend upon you and uh, murder your wife and paralyze you after you get into a car accident at the accident scene. So right off the bat, the setup has you thinking, man, this seems a little too intense, right? It's his old neighborhood. He makes mention of it. It's not a nice neighborhood. It's bad. Uh, these people, they're, they're, there's about four attackers when they go after him. And you think, holy shit, what a setup. It goes on from here, which is 
these moments of thinking back on his wife and being a paraplegic and it's three months later and the heavy implications emotionally of what that means. That's something that we get in spades with Upgrade. When I watched the trailer, I thought, okay, it's a revenge movie that's going to be kind of funny. It's going to have Stem talking to him, Vampire Hunter D style. It's much deeper than that. The emotional content of this film is stronger. The moments when he is being washed by his mother and he's stuck in this chair and this anachronistic guy is now relying on technology to keep him alive, to move him around. His wife is gone. It is dark in those first 30 minutes. It's very dark and you feel like a gut punch while you're watching it. You feel like, oh, this is fucking brutal, man. You feel so bad for this guy uh, because here is a guy who works with his hands and, and everything else and he doesn't want to live. He doesn't want to live because his wife's dead. He doesn't want to live because of his limitations now. And it's crazy, you know, because leading up to the attack, this guy Gray feels like he's being swept under the tide of a changing world. And there's a lot of irony at play in this movie, which is smart. He's a guy who's like, you know, fuck technology, basically go fuck yourself technology. But on the same time, he's also he also ends up not just relying on technology, but actively using it and championing it, even if he doesn't say so, to go after the guys that killed his wife and injured him like this. And that's something that I love. There's there's all this back and forth irony, this this dramatic irony exists in this movie that I love. That's one of the great themes of this movie is that. The other, of course, is the technology piece, which I want to dive into. So the machines he despised are keeping him alive. That's something that I love, right? But despite their sophistication, they don't offer any comfort and they lack any awareness for him emotionally. And, you know, this is something I think about as we drift into the world of the AI, right? And that is this utter lack of what seems to be emotional content from these rapidly growing machines in the world that we live in today, right? Can your robot hug you? Can you feel love from such a thing? It's hard to say, right? Probably not. And that's the instant feeling we get while we're watching this movie, something that I particularly liked. He's... When he gets home one day, the computer at the house asks him, will Asia be joining us for dinner? So it, it lacks the awareness. It is on the surface polite, but also on the surface, it's tragically obtuse because it doesn't understand that she is dead. I'm sure it could be programmed to understand she's dead. But when it, when it is, it, it, even though it's asking a polite thing, it just shows any real lack of connection which is one of the things about it that is interesting. The lack of connection is very apparent. So some things people do better than machines, right? That's one of the things he says in the beginning of the movie. Sometimes people do things better than machines do. And we see that play out quite literally a couple of times in this movie. And that's one of the things I like about it. So when he's, when he's having this moment, his mother takes care of him, and he just starts bawling, as anyone would. And his mom just hugs him. And, and that made me really think about this movie for just a minute, which is, 
all these technological advances, which are, in my opinion, good, right? I'm not a Luddite guy. Um, uh, even though I do appreciate hard work and swinging a pickaxe or using a shovel or cutting the grass or whatever, I appreciate those things. I also understand how important technology can be. This is something we talked about when we were covering the Ready Player One episode, right? In 1426, world the world was a much more difficult and painful place compared to 2018. And technology has a big part to play in that, right? Things like medicine, comforts, our ability to feed and clothe and water ourselves, the knowledge we have from science. These are all good things. With good things always comes bad things though, right? There's always, oh, the invention of this. Uh, what, what, what's that? There's a great quote. The day the automobile was invented. I don't remember who said this. The day the automobile was invented, somebody owned or just purchased 100 horses, right? That's, that's just the reality of the world we live in. Technology changes and you sometimes have to figure out a way to embrace that technology. And I, I definitely am a proponent of that. We have cars now. I mean, that's, it might, we might take a car for granted, but once upon a time, people thought the car, that's never going to work. That's, that's outrageous. Imagine people are going to kill each other with these giant metal boxes. You can control a horse. Horses never crash, right? Things like this. My point is the, the quote from Gray early in the movie, the some things people do better than machines I love because we see that play out, like I said a minute ago, literally in this movie, which are which is this moment with his mother where she's comforting him. The machines can't do that. They all look so cold and antiseptic in his house. You know, there's a machine that makes him his shake and delivers his medication to him. At one point, he tries to kill himself with the medication. He tells it to just keep injecting him over and over and over again. It's some sort of morphine, I would guess, some sort of opiate. And it hits him with it like four times. And then it just says, another dose could be fatal. And it, and it doesn't. He can't even kill himself with the machines, right? Which is funny. But despite all the surveillance, you know, I was thinking about this too, all of this technology. One of the other themes I like about this is that with changing technology and sophisticated technology, especially as it relates to law enforcement, you have criminal enterprises and criminal actors becoming just as sophisticated to thwart those security systems. That's always the case. As we move through time and new things are invented, new countermeasures are invented to overcome those things. And that's one of the things I thought of in this movie. It's like, wow, these guys get killed. We, one of the things they established in the movie after the attack is that there are drones all over the city, police drones. And I thought with all the surveillance and all these fancy computers and a detective to interpret this stuff, how have they not caught these people? And she goes on to say, look, we have no leads. The criminals use sophisticated firewalls to hide their faces from, from identity. They have, infer, they have their own type of technology used to help them further their criminal activities. To successfully conduct criminality, they have to implement the same technology that law enforcement does. And they have the advantage of always kind of being a little ahead of the curve, even if they don't have the financial backing always. And that's something that has always interested me in science fiction in general. One of the things I love about science fiction, one of the reasons I started the science fiction film podcast was this idea of how technology can create stories that don't exist without the, without the technology as part of the setting. You can't have, you, you can't, have a movie that takes place in 1993 that is not science fiction and tell a tale about time travel and relative aging. 
and you can't get into those themes because you need the technology. And that's one of the things that fascinates me. One of the things I love about science fiction is this right here. Firewalls for their faces. Man, that's wild. Think about that. You can change the way you may appear to surveillance. That's so cool. So, he doesn't want STEM at first. But this Aaron Keene, this young, brilliant mind, convinces him by saying, which is interesting. Now, before I proceed, Aaron Keene, this young, brilliant mind that he made this car for in the beginning of this movie, super rich, very eccentric. I mean, he was playing with a virtual storm cloud in his house when we meet him. He is very distant. He spends most of his time in this underground secluded mansion. He's an eccentric man, young, young man, who clearly is lacking in any type of social grace. It's just not his strong suit. And what we see as a result of this is he doesn't really connect well. But what's interesting is that despite his lack of social skills on the surface, he still has an idea of how to manipulate Gray into taking the stem treatment or the stem implant, take the surgery. He just says, what would she want? And that's something we've heard before. What would your, you know, we, we, I have a, I have a close friend whose brother passed away and, and he, and, and, and this was years ago. We were in our twenties and he was far too young and it sucks and it's brutal and especially brutal for him and his family. And I think to myself, when he's going through rough times or he's got issues or he's struggling, it makes me sad because I think his brother wouldn't want this for him. And it sounds shitty and manipulative, but it's the truth. If he could see you, would he be happy with the life that you're fortunate enough to have that he doesn't? Would he be happy with what you're doing with it? Might not always be a motivating factor, but it's a start. And we see Aaron Keene use it here brilliantly. Now, here's the thing I did not expect about this movie. An unexpected twist, I'll say, based on what I saw in the trailer. I didn't expect Gray to have to keep it a secret. This entire research, this this whole surgery is really under the radar type of stuff here. Slick, right? So he has to masquerade as a paraplegic in the wheelchair during the day And at night is when he can do his investigatory work on his feet because of the legal ramifications that could come to Aaron Keene, which is, this is not legal. STEM is not legal. The government doesn't know about it. That's the impression that Aaron Keene makes it very painfully clear. You cannot do this. If you do, it's going away, which means you're actively being a paraplegic. So don't fuck this up. Also, what a cool idea for a superhero. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you would just pretend to be a paraplegic during the day and then, right, fight crime at night. <laughs> I guess there's easier ways to hide your your true identity. But I, it made me, it just, I, I couldn't help but laugh. I think, what, a, what an alter ego. This is almost like a superhero film in a sense. There's a couple other fascinating things to think about in this movie that I like. And that's the idea of muscle memory. Now, not a scientist, drink, And I'm certainly not a neurologist, make that a double. But I will say that the the idea of muscle memory is something that's always fascinated me. As somebody who was into music, you know, I played some guitar, some drums, some piano. As I've said a million times, I've done some martial arts or anything physical, shooting a basketball, throwing and catching a ball, whatever. 
whatever it is, typing on a keyboard, right? That's something that if you think about back in the day, people could barely do. But the idea of muscle memory and how that works. Because one of the things we see in this film is STEM is STEM's ability to, I guess, impart onto Gray martial prowess. Gray can fight as a result of STEM's programming, which I thought was interesting. I don't know how that would work. I should probably call up Chris from Decipher Sci-Fi and ask him. I don't know exactly how that would work because I know that the neurological pathways that, that exist between muscle and nervous system is part of the problem there. You know, when you try to play a chord on a guitar, you're like really muscling your fingers in there. They're not used to the movement. They're not used to grasping at a certain angle. And that takes time. The movie is almost saying, and maybe science is saying this too, I don't know, that if you had the proper implant, that that would just occur. That you could form the D chord, C chord, A chord, E chord easily on a guitar without the practice. Because there's this awesome moment where as soon as Stem's live, Stem starts to say, ooh, I can recreate this image. He, on, on one of the suspects at one point in the film, there's an emblem, an image, which happens to be a military image that he can barely see, but I guess as it's in his field of view, Stem can see it, the robot in his body, so to speak. And it just take. it's like, you must let me, you must give me permission to take command. And he does, and he just starts sketching this thing like a printer. It's so slick. His hand, imagine him holding a pen and looking down at a piece of paper, right? You can imagine this right now, no matter what you're doing. Just think about this for just a minute. You're sitting at your desk, wherever you are, work, home, and you're looking down at a blank piece of paper and you're holding a pen in your hand and it's a couple inches above the paper. And you just say to this computer in your body, I agree, I consent to your command. And then your hand starts moving without you controlling it. And it's, and it's moving back and forth, left and right. And it's making lines on the paper as it does so. And almost like a printer image comes out, after your hand is done moving, there's this perfect rendition of this emblem. That fucking blew my mind. The idea of that. Imagine that. You always wanted to be able to draw. Oh, I want to be able to draw, you know, this forest and the moon in the background. And you, you put this chip in your head and you just let it take over. And then your hand goes back and forth like a printer. And then you pick it up and you hold it. And it's a perfect rendition, right? That's so wild to me. I thought that was such a cool part of this movie. And that's, that's the, the baby steps to get him to his martial prowess. Because when he goes after these guys, he has to be able to fight. And he, at one point he gets into it and he's not sure how to fight and he tells Stem to take over and Stem just beats the brakes off of people. And it's funny, that's where some of the comedy comes in where he's talking to Stem and Stem beats the shit out of people and we see his growing confidence as the movie goes on. And he's, he's quippy, he's, he is the whole movie. Gray is, is a bit of a quippy guy. He's, he says funny things throughout the whole movie. But I'll tell you this, those moments of, Levity, I guess you could say, lighten the mood a little bit because it's a pretty dark film. I also love the idea of Stem telling him about the surveillance stuff. What I mean by that, and that's just a note I read out loud that means nothing to you because I'm not telling you the whole plot here, but essentially it appears as if Stem has a goal and that's to, to help Gray learn about Ash's killers. So he never makes it clear, he being Gray, Gray never explicitly says, okay, Stem, I want you to help me find my wife's killers. 
Stem just sort of starts to take him on this mission as if it's programmed that way. And that was a moment where I said, there's something deeper going on here. And there certainly is something deeper going on in this movie, which of course I said, I won't spoil because it leads into the ending. But Stem is concerned with a thing maintaining with, with the whole, with this whole thing being secretive. So Stem's echoing Aaron Keene's words, which is you must, are you sure, Gray? Are you sure you want to do this right now? Perhaps it's not good for us to do this right now. And it talks to him in that oh so soothing android voice. Gray, are you sure? We could get in a lot of trouble for this. And it's just a sophisticated robot. It's obviously, I mean, that goes without saying, but he says, before you alert the police, we want to be positive. So Stem's almost encouraging him to gain and gather more evidence. It's pretty cool, man. It's really, really cool. But this last thing I want to say on muscle memory, which, which I always thought was interesting, is this. You know, when you first start weightlifting and you start to get stronger in those first couple of minutes, it's not because your muscles are, have already grown and have, and have gotten bigger. What most people don't realize is that that is essentially a neurological effect. You are strengthening the signals between your neural pathways and the muscle tissue, and you're stronger as a result of better communication between the muscle and the brain. So when you sit down to bench and two weeks later, you go, wow, I feel a little bit stronger already. You do, but it's not because of, I think they call it, uh, hypertrophy? I don't know. What they, hypertrophy? I don't know. Not that smart. Um, whatever whatever the fancy term is for the enlargement of the muscle. I think it's hypertrophy. Hyper, hypertrophy? I don't know if you, you say it that way, but that's how it's spelled. But that's that doesn't happen in two weeks. What does happen is you build these neural pathways between brain and, and body, and thus you get better at things. You know, we, we touched upon this a little bit in the, um, in the Ready Player One episode, which was, I said, if you're in a VR suit, does your real-life skill transmit to your avatar in the Oasis? Well, now I'm almost asking the reverse question. Can a skill chip such as STEM be put in your body and give you physical capabilities without those neural pathways being drawn or, or let's just say, turned on? Imagine like an old, imagine an old dark street and you flip on the breakers and the lights just start going on down the street. And at the end of the street is this muscle in this ridiculous metaphor. I wonder if perhaps the chip just handles all that in rapid fashion. If I wonder if you'd have to train for it, but then you'd have to, but you know, I, I wonder about that. It's so weird to think about because we've never really separated that before. It's always been to learn something challenging physically takes time for your body to adapt physically, to make weird chord shapes with your hands, to do strange kicks, to move your body in, in a certain way. I guess this movie is saying that, well, STEM handles all that for you in a very quick, in a very quick way, which is bonkers. That kind of augmentation is bonkers. There's also cool things in this that harken back to the old William Gibson days, and that's physical augmentation. The guy has a gun implanted in his hand and just cool shit like this. I love it. The fights are really good. Uh, all of this stuff is really slick. There is a moment where one of the bad guys sneezes. It's a, it's a feigned sneeze. And the camera zooms in on the particles and you see these little nanobots. 
and they zoom into this guy's nose and into his brain and kill him. And I thought, holy fucking shit. That is nuts. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's kind of what happens already with certain infectious diseases, right? These little organisms fly into your body and make you sick and your white blood cells have to fuck them up. But imagine it with nanobots. But then I thought, well, just imagine that for the good, just shooting all these nanobots into somebody ravaged by cancer and they go in and just eliminate all the cancer. That would be so badass, man. That's, that's, the, that's the double-edged sword of technology, right? Is the ability to sneeze nanobots into somebody's brain and rip their head off or rip their brain apart from the inside out. Badass, by the way. But then it's also the ability for targeted attacking on specific infectious diseases, which is cool too. So the movie goes on and there's a couple of cool moments here, a couple of things, which is when he's fighting, there's, there's moments where he needs STEM to take over and STEM has to fight for him. But then there's also times where they almost have to kind of work together. And what I mean by that is there's a moment where Gray gets himself into trouble with, with, uh, with one of the heavies. And STEM is not sophisticated enough to defeat this particular bad guy. This bad guy has his own upgrades and he actually gets Gray down and he's beating him up. And STEM actually admits to Gray. because so, so STEM can talk to Gray and no one else can hear it, which is really slick. And STEM says, we've exhausted all tactical options against this guy. I don't know what to tell you. So, so at that point, you've been relying on STEM the whole movie. You must be like, oh shit. And this gets back to the some things people can do better than machines because Gray distracts the bad guy. He starts to attack his ego by saying, oh, your brother died like a bitch and, and going after him and getting him emotionally, which is something the machine just isn't ready to do yet. The emotional content is missing. We said that at the beginning. When his mom's helping him out, there's an emotional content there that, that the machine can't deliver, which is comfort to Gray. And on the flip side, we have this emotional content that can't be delivered by the machine, which is this wickedness, this ability to emotionally manipulate somebody by going after their weaknesses and their insecurities. That's something the machine can't do. And it gives him this, the distraction he needs to reactivate STEM and to beat the crap out of this guy. It's really cool. And that's something that the movie just does well. We see the good and bad of technology. Wow, look at all these good things technology can do. You know, these self-driving cars is terrifying to me, right? Because of exactly what happens in this movie. <laughs> it crashes. And I always think about that. Like you hack a self-driving car, you happen to have some rare liver that a politician needs, you're fucking dead. You're dead. They're going to flip your car over and take your liver out. That'd be a good sci-fi movie. Or, or... You could have the eradication of disease. You have something like STEM to take this man who's a paraplegic who got attacked in this terrible way and make him have make him be able to walk again, right? And you can do these. These are some of the positives. And there's, and there's positives and negatives of the emotional stuff too. We see him used positively in the movie, but they could be bad when he's feeling depressed and terrible. That's, that sucks. That hurts. That helps. That, I don't know if that helps you or hurts you in this particular case, but, but I like that we see the beginning of the movie sort of play out throughout the movie, which is some things machines just can't do as well as people can. But by the end of this movie, one of the things you're seeing is that man and machine kind of have to work together. And that's one of the cool things about it. There is a great ending to this movie. Like I said, I don't want to spoil the ending to this movie. I would be, uh, I would be, 
upset with myself if I did that for you. So I am not going to tell you how the movie shakes out, but I am going to tell you that it is totally worth watching. Uh, it, it has some funny, clever moments. It looks good. It moves quickly. It doesn't waste time. It's exciting. It has cool, suspenseful music, cool sets. The technology is great. Man, there's this moment where one of the bad guys is dead because of Stem and Gray. And one of the other bad guys walks over and this little thing comes out of his finger and goes into his eyeball, which is an ocular implant. And it rewinds the last few seconds of his life. And he sees what the guy said and who killed him. Dude, that's so crazy. Imagine the implications of that for law enforcement. Imagine that shit. Or say you had like a real hot evening one night and you're like, I kind of want to replay that hot evening back. Right? I think they tackle that in Black Mirror. Like, ooh, that was a passionate encounter. I'm going to rewind that later when I'm in the bath. Know what I mean? Shit like that. So I love that. I love the way they use technology in it. It's not overwhelming technology. It's kind of Blade Runner level shit. William Gibson, Neuromancer, Neil Stevenson kind of stuff. And that's one of the things I liked about it. It's not so over the top because they're literally in a virtual world like, say, Ready Player One. So they're very different. One's much more grounded in reality. One's much more open in something like the matrix. But I will say this, if I was going to say didn't like it, liked it, if I was going to say hated it, didn't like it, liked it, loved it, I'm damn near close to saying I love this movie. It's a cool little movie, man. I really recommend it. I'm going to have to stick with like. Love is a tough one. I don't like just giving out loves. So I'm going to say I liked it. It's a strong like though. And I highly recommend that you guys check out Upgrade from 2018 starring Logan Marshall Green because it is fun. And if you like science fiction, which I'm betting you do, you're going to love this movie. Which brings me to my next movie. Now, one of the uh, one of the shticks of this show is watching a trailer, getting an impression on a movie, and then seeing how I feel about the trailer and my expectations living up to that movie. We're going to break that form a little bit here because there are a couple of movies I want to get to on this show, like Infinity War, uh, A Quiet Place, and the next one I'm going to talk about, but I've seen them all already. So it'll be still, it'll still be what the, uh, what the show sets out to do, but with a little wrinkle. And that's when I watch the trailer, I'm going to kind of know how the movie goes, but it's still fun to watch the trailer and talk about it, right? Which brings me to next, next time on... Ready uh, on, on Ready Player One. Next time on Real Quick, an LSG Media Podcast, we're going to be talking about the film Heredity. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, it's scary. Let's watch the trailer right now. Come on, Peter. There's your suit. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's Grandma. You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What? 
Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Cool, so you're never going to sleep again. Just want to make that clear. You're never sleeping again after you watch that movie. Holy shit, I'm excited to watch that movie. You know, I don't always absorb movies well the first time through, so I'm really looking forward to a rewatch of Hereditary. And uh, man, that is a creepy movie. If you haven't seen it yet, get ready. I know you can buy it now. I think it's going to be available to rent on like September 6th or something. So this might be a little ahead of that. Maybe some of you have seen it in the theater already. But let me just tell you this. I'm telling you this, spoiler spoiler alert for next episode, that movie blew my expectations away. Holy shit. I can't wait to talk about that movie. And especially as we get closer to October, the scary time. All right. Well, thank you very much for tuning into another episode of Real Quick. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys next time, which brings me to me saying that generic next time. So I'm usually available to record on Tuesdays and Thursdays during the day. I'm probably going to do at least one episode a week, either on Tuesday or Thursday, and I might even be doing two episodes a week. It really depends on my schedule. But subscribe and just know that that's that you're going to be getting episodes frequently. I can't tell you exactly what day. It's probably going to be mostly Tuesdays and Thursdays, though, with the occasional weekend drop. But uh, I'm looking maybe one, two episodes a week at this point. So uh, subscribe and never miss an episode. And visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the flip side. vivid memory of the first time. I was attending my niece's wedding and was at the sink in the men's room when a wet spot on the front of my trousers caught my eye. An unwelcome contribution from my bladder. Fortunately, I was wearing black and with my jacket buttoned, no one would be the wiser anyway, but for me, I knew it was time to see a urologist. Want to laugh during life's most embarrassing moments? LSG can help. Go to libertystreetgeek.net. Podcasters will give you a reason to wet yourself.